0: is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my podcast, Living the New Science. In these podcasts, I'm covering some extraordinary discoveries by frontier scientists and other new thought leaders and why this changes everything we think about how our world works and also how we should live our lives. Welcome to thriving with intention in uncertain times. So we'll be talking today about how to thrive in these difficult times, these uncertain times, and how they're an invitation for you to use intention. So let's get started. I wanna first encourage you to understand that intention is not just a fond wish. And it's not just a positive wish either. I mean, this is the situation here. What you may not recognize is that you are intending at every moment. Every thought you have, and you've got 70,000 of them every single day, every thought you are beaming out to the world is also an intention. So I want you to just imagine What's going on right now with all the fear and uncertainty in your life and everybody else's? What sort of instructions you're beaming out to the universe? And I'm going to help you move past that fear to positive instruction, even in uncertain times. Because that's when intention really can work best for you. It gives you an ability to navigate through the difficult times. It gives you the ability to quickly shift course. And that's one of the key elements, being able to pivot quickly in response to something that happens to you. That's also intention. A lot of people think intention is just wishing for or or directing the universe to give you more stuff or to fix your health, perhaps. But intention is also there to help you navigate through these tough times. You know, as the old saying goes, nobody gets out of here alive. Well, that's very true, but it's also true that the people who can take the difficulties that we all face the bumps in the road and there are bigger ones than ordinary now and know what to do with them those are the people who are real intention masters so that's something i want to help you with now this is what i was getting at before intention essentially is morally neutral and by that i mean it doesn't just demonstrate that positive intention works Negative intention also works. And studies of intention have shown that both work equally well. So it doesn't have a point of view. It doesn't have a morality. It works either way. It's what you're thinking and you're creating out there that counts. And it's all about what you spotlight. You know, as I said, we've got 70,000 thoughts a day, we have 11 million bits of stimuli that come into our eyes every day. Now we can only focus on a small percentage of those. You know, your eye will only actually take in 250,000 of those stimuli, even though 11 million are coming at you. And we tend to spotlight what we focus on. We tend to choose what we focus on. I like to use the analogy of of a lightning storm. If you were in the middle of a lightning storm, you wouldn't be looking for daisies in the grass. You'd be looking and only looking for places to shelter. That'd be all that you can see. Well, it's the same thing with intention and uncertainty. If all you can see In the newspaper is negativity if all you can focus on is climate change difficulties and crises and banking crises and war in western in eastern europe and all of those crises we now face cost of living crises etc that's what you're spotlighting that's what you're focusing on that is essentially what you're intending so you need to be a little more deliberate about what you are intending for. So think about what you're most afraid of now. And how do these anxieties stop you from moving forward? Let's take a moment to write down about these anxieties and how these anxieties are stopping you from taking any other leaps forward in your life. For instance, you're worried about the economy so you don't apply for that new job. You're worried about what's going to happen to loads of other things so you don't take a chance on a new relationship. You don't think things are fixable in your current relationships because life out there is so bad. And with your health, if your health has worsened because of these anxieties, you don't think there's anything you can do about it. So see if you can find any connections and write them down now. I'm gonna give you a few minutes to do that. So wherever you're listening from, just write these down. Just take a note of them. See if you can make some of those connections about the anxieties you have about the state of the world, the uncertainty we now face, and how that is stopping you from moving forward in your life. Okay, I want you to continue thinking about this after this discussion, but here are some other ideas about what's preventing you from moving forward. You may think I can't do things now. I can't change things now because of any one of these excuses. The economy is a mess. There's a war in Europe now. Everything costs too much. It's too hard and money's too tight. Or it can be personal things. I'm not ready yet. I just can't do it. I'm not skilled enough. I'm not good at and name one of the above money relationships health etc or i'm going to fail is that running through your head if so write it down there's even more excuses in order to move forward i need more something training etc and i can't afford that it's scary and it's overwhelming right now to change. My family doesn't like this. I'm anxious about climate change. I had somebody, if, uh, somebody I know in some of my courses whose whole family were against her taking stuff like my courses. They thought that she was going a little crazy. I'm anxious about climate change. It's typical, nothing good happens to me or intention doesn't work anyway, or of course, the ultimate get out, life is crap. You know, life sucks and then you die. Well, if that's any one of your excuses, I wanna talk to you about how to get past that. Because we can thrive no matter what is going on out there. And you can do it when you're deliberate with intention. I want to give you an example I love to use, and that is Alex Honnold. He is one of the world's greatest free solo climbers. That means he climbs giant mountains without ropes. He uses some sneakers and a chalk bag. That's it. So you think that you've got problems what would you do if your life depended on taking a big leap moving forward you had to move forward or you were going to die this is Alex he did a climb on the regular northwest face of Half Dome in Yosemite Park nearly a mile straight up considered a really tough climb and he did it but there was a moment where He didn't expect a foothold. Now remember with a free solo climber, you're just finding little footholds and portions to grab on the side of a sheer rock. I mean, talk about a crazy thing to do, right? But you have to know ahead of time where you're going. And he hit an unexpected place where he had to do a leap and he did it and he got there, but it freaked him out a bit and he learned from it. He wasn't discouraged. He'd done it. They did a movie about it, but he wasn't satisfied because it wasn't perfect. So he decides to take on an even worse rock, El Capitan in Yosemite. This is 300 feet but it's sheer rock face and it is so difficult that nobody's been able to free solo. It's also the site of a number of deaths when people have tried to climb up this nasty rock. Now lots of people have done it with ropes, but nobody had done it free solo before. Alex gives us a lot of ideas about how we can thrive during tough times because he faced the ultimate challenge, but. If you can remember what he talked about a lot was all about mental rehearsal, all about planning, all about pivoting if he had to, learning more and putting in the work. And that's what I wanna talk to you about. Seven ideas we can take away from Alex that are things that I talk about as well in my Intention Essentials class and the things that I teach people to do using intention to imagine it so well in their heads that it actually conditions the body to expect success. That's one of the key elements of the kind of intention I teach. So number one thing we can take from him about overcoming fear of failure or um, fear to even try is number one, Just take incremental steps. That's a big portion of what I teach too. As he said, broaden your comfort zone until something isn't scary anymore. So if you can remember what he talked about, he practiced and practiced. First of all, he climbed up the mountain numerous times, 50 times with ropes. He climbed with friends. He climbed without it. And he memorized the entire route. So what can we learn from that? We can learn to break down any goal into tiny little component steps. You can even write down the steps to achieving the goal and notice any hurdles that you're going to have to overcome. You know, look, there are hurdles to everything in life. It's never smooth sailing. But the people who achieve it are The people who know and expect, anticipate a hurdle and know what to do to overcome it. So one of the really important takeaways is planning the path step by step. I say it's about taking baby steps. And I, as I say, my intention essential course, I show people how to do that. The second thing we can take away from Alex is preparation. He planned, he learned all the moves he needed to make. You can apply this to anything, whether it is a new job, getting on a better footing financially, uh, having a new relationship, starting a new relationship, or fixing an old one, fixing your health, changing your life's purpose any of that. Now, one of the things I tell people to do is to focus on goals. And one of the ways that you can prepare, as he did, is to actually study the actual physical places where your goal is going to be achieved, where it's going to take place, where the steps to getting to the goal will take place, so that you can imagine yourself in your head actually carrying that goal out. If there are steps to take, you learn it by heart. He learned every foothold, every hand grab by heart. You can do the same in whatever you're looking to achieve. Three, mentally rehearse your route as he did. And that's the good bits and the bad bits for him. What will it be like to look down into the abyss Well, I put my foot on this tiny ledge. He had to rehearse how he was going to handle that too. And the really important thing about it is it avoids experiencing anything new, but also helps you to rehearse and rehearse step by step. Mental rehearsal is something all elite athletes do. And the reason they do that, whether they're free solo climbers like Alex, football players, uh, boxers like Muhammad Ali, everybody these days, any elite athlete does mental rehearsal. And the main reason is the brain can't distinguish between an action and the thought of an action. The same neural pathways fire when you're thinking about doing something and when you're actually carrying it out. And when you practice just mentally, practicing an action. It actually makes the action itself easier. You've prepared those neural networks so they fire quicker, more easily. They've already made their connections. We see it with all kinds of elite athletes. Rocky Blair, a famous American football player who helped Pittsburgh Steelers win the Super Bowl some years ago actually was a great proponent of mental rehearsal. He would sit on the bench and practice in his head every possible pass and run. He would do it when he was eating his breakfast. He would do it right before he went to bed. He practiced over and over and over inside his head so that when the moment came to play that game, he had no surprises. That's a big takeaway we can all learn from. So when you're rehearsing it, you take it in tiny segments. You do it moment by moment. You practice those tough parts, as I said. You block out any kind of images of doubt. And this is a really important one, and he talked about it too, Alex did. Engaging all the senses, especially the body's feel. What was it going to feel like to climb up that big rock? For you, it's what is it going to feel like? with all of your senses to have that new relationship, to fix the relationship you do have, relationships you have, to feel better health-wise, to have more money in the bank than you do now, to have that new career, and so forth. Bring your senses into this experience too. The fourth one is practicing. So as he said, he choreographed each move in his head, but also physically. And you can do trial runs, and even physical ones if you have to, and um, include always in your trial runs, imagining, as we said before, the worst part. In him, the free blast, which was when he had to jump with that half dome, and he was just lucky and hit the ledge, but it surprised him. So the next time he has made sure that he doesn't have any surprises. But practice any moves and practice your response too. What are you gonna do about it? Fear is and doubt are really fear of the unknown. When you know, when you've practiced, when you've practiced dealing with difficulty, no matter what that difficulty is, you know what to do. And through all of this, ask yourself some tough questions. Observe your thinking patterns. Ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen if I do this and don't succeed? A lot of people are just frightened of something new for no good reason. They've never asked themselves that question. Question, You know, with Alex, it was pretty, pretty clear. If he did it and he didn't succeed, he would die. For most of us, it's not that extreme. Failure is just failure and usually it's an education. It tells us what we did wrong and what we need to do the next time. In a sense, Alex had that with Half Dome He was lucky, but there was a really scary moment where he could have fallen if he didn't get lucky. And so he learned, and the next time he decided there would be no luck involved, he was going to take care of every eventuality. And if you have that fear, and you have that thinking pattern of of fear, besides asking yourself, What's the worst thing that can happen? Recognize the energetic pulse that happens when you think about it and you get fearful and your physical response. Slow down long enough to recognize that. It will help you overcome it. You can even say to yourself, oh, I'm getting a little tense around the chest and I'm breathing heavily and rapidly. Just see how it manifests in you so that you recognize it and learn what to do to cope. A really important thing to do, particularly in these uncertain times, is staying in the present moment. So focus on what you have to do now. You know, don't try to think way ahead. Yes, you've practiced it step by step. You've done mental rehearsal. But when you're carrying it out, stay in the present. Focus every single bone in your body on the present and make sure you're committed 100% to carrying that activity out. Don't allow yourself to be distracted or to think about what if, what if I don't get this done? What if so-and-so comes along and beats me to it? What if my boss doesn't like what I've done? What if I get rebuffed in that relationship? What if my attempts to reach out to my estranged relationship don't work? Cut that out of your mind, lock it out of your mind and just focus on the present moment and what you need to do. And if you stay completely present, you don't think of anything else. You're just operating in the present. So practice that. It's a really important thing to do. Staying in the now. Finally, share your hopes, dreams, and plans with a group. And I'll tell you why this is so important. New research I've found has to do with the master nerve in our bodies of the autonomic nervous system. It's called the vagus nerve. It's the longest nerve in the body. It starts at the neck. It connects all of the major organs in the body, and it is the central controller of the autonomic nervous system. Our sympathetic nervous system, our parasympathetic nervous system. The thing that gets activated when we have to do fight or flight. So that's on a constant level. If you are anxious and fearful, that's always on. Or the rest and digest part of the nervous system, autonomic nervous system, and the third part of the vagus nerve which is the connection and feeling of total safety now what we found is when you are isolated when you are chronically anxious autonomic messages get scrambled that means you're constantly on fight or flight or freeze even worse so in all of this uncertainty you can be on constant fight or flight which oftentimes blocks you from moving ahead because you're just staying in fear. But work from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill has discovered that when you share positive emotions, when you're part of a group, it changes the brain and ends anxiety. It re-regulates the vagus nerve. So one of the most powerful ways to do it is a small power of eight group. That's one of the easiest ways to end anxiety. There are loads of other reasons why a group work that all has to do with the human need for community, for connection, for giving. All of these things act to heal anxiety and fear and to make it go away. Half of the time we're anxious because we feel isolated. I hope you have learned to understand the importance of taking baby steps, of practicing, of mapping the route and much more. And I'll be talking about all of this in great detail and much, much more about how to word intentions, when to do intentions, how to focus your mind, how to get in the right heart state, how to work in a group and more in my intention essentials course. So it's starting June 24th. If you're interested, they're in the chat on YouTube and Facebook as well. I hope to see you then. Take care now for those people who are part of a Power of Eight group, how I'm part of my masterclass or have been part of the masterclass, do consider joining the Eight Revolution. It is a movement, a social movement, joining Power of Eight groups together all over the world to affect social change through loads of free tools that I'm offering. So do check it out. Thanks so much. For everybody else, check out everything else on lynnmctaggart.com. Hope to see you soon. Thank you.